Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You can answer this honestly, and we, we won't get upset at all with you, Cammy. <laughs> um, do you look at the Welsh squad right now and think, with all them injuries, and think they're a weakened team, they're not the Wales we were expecting to meet, you know, a year ago or so? Um, do you think that, yeah, they're there for the taking? But I think on paper, regardless of which Wales lineup was starting, I would have expected Scotland to win anyway. Wow, it's a big statement, Cammy. Radio <laughs> Wales, everyone's going crazy. That's a, that's People a are ringing in. That is. <laughs> but what a start for Wales! Victory here, four tries, thirty-four points to seven. Wales are up and running. Hello and welcome to the Scottish Rugby Blog Podcast. I am Cammy Black and I'm joined this evening by Rory Baldwin. Hello. And John Anderson. Hi there. Uh, you can contact us via the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. You can email us, podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. Uh, not that anybody's done that yet. I don't think that this whole email thing's going to catch on. Uh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash scottishrugbyblog, Twitter at scottrugbyblog, or uh, you can get me on at Cammy Black. Um, if you're listening to this, you've clearly found the podcast somehow, but we are available on Audioboom, Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify, TuneIn, and any other apps that you can listen to podcasts on. Uh, all the details and links are on the blog. Uh, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Please do, because apparently it helps rock us rocket up the Apple Podcast charts, but uh, not that anybody checks them, I don't think, apart from people who have their own podcast. Um, the deal is we will read out any review on there that gives us three stars or above. And Strobes44 did just that. He gave us four stars and he said, Great podcast for a Scottish exile, but possibly could do with more chat about the club game. As good as the only podcast that cares about Scottish rugby, would be five stars, but someone needs to stage an intervention with Cammy and his jingles. Um... (laughs) I wasn't sure, but I'm actually tempting. I'm tempted just to make make up a jingle for Strobes44 on the spot. Okay. I don't know. Um, do you want us to just hang hang around while you do that? Yeah, hang on. Too I've I've got my daughter's um early learning center. I only looked. I only checked on the reviews tonight and found this. So I've got I've got my daughter's early learning center keyboard here. Hang on. Two secs. That's it. Just firing up. Hang on. Um. Hang on. Thanks for the review, Strobs Forty Four. Please, can you give us some more? There you go. <laughs> A, a special 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 one for Strauss 44 so yeah please leave us some reviews um so uh john and roy let's try and get an extra star off Strauss 44 and shall we talk about glasgow and edinburgh um because there's not nothing else to talk about this week um let's do edinburgh first uh they're playing leinster on friday night live on bbc alba um gonna be a tough game rory is that is that on Alba? It is on Alba, yes. No, no, no. Uh, Ember's on Alba and Glasgow is on BBC Wales. All right, awesome. So they're both on at the same time, yeah. I apologise for interrupting you. Um, okay. Well, this, the pro teams are 
always going to struggle at uh, this time of year. Um, Edinburgh are probably going to struggle against Leinster, who have been looking pretty strong this season, regardless of um, who they've got, because their international players are managed as probably you know unrested, possibly even more than ours. Um, so Leinster's team is probably not going to be all that troubled. Um, Edinburgh Cockerell is probably not going to know who he's getting until well tomorrow maybe. Um, he was talking earlier in the week about he'll probably get one of Bergen or McCallum back from, from Scotland camp. Um, I'm guessing it'll probably be McCallum. And, but uh, they also, because last week there was nothing on, they loaned Callum Hunter-Hill out to Newcastle for two weeks and he promptly injured himself. So Edinburgh are actually short of second rows now, apparently. Yeah, they're, they're looking they're, at Bill, Bill Matter and Bradbury in, in the second row. Um, so that could be interesting, I suppose. They should have John Hardy back, though, apparently, who's um, not not had any game time but is fit, so they're probably going to throw him in. Wait, I think he he played five minutes minutes for Hoyk, then smashed his lip and promptly went yeah. to Edinburgh, I think, so <laughs> went back, back to Edinburgh to get it seen to. Um, Which is a da- dangerous game. I was watching the, I was watching a programme about... Uh, it was what, it was this... Um, BBC Wales new show sort of pre-Six Nations kind of chat show thing with uh, Gabby Logan and uh, um, Gareth Thomas and they were actually had Tom Evans on and he was saying that he split his lip just before his horrible career ending injury and actually oh. the reason he got that horrible career ending injury cause, was because he ducked his head because he didn't want his lip to get messed up because <laughs> he'd, just, he'd just come back on from having treatment so he was being, he was being vain and <laughs> That's, in his own, that's pretty much what he said. I'm not. I, I I would very much suspect that the same thing does not afflict John Hardy. No, he's probably the most un unvain person. I would I would have thought. I mean, going on and playing five minutes, then coming off with a busted lip is just classic John Hardy, though. And just sort of go on walking onto a pitch and somehow conspiring to injure yourself. Yeah, any injury will do. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, it said on the Ember preview of this that there was a close game at the RDS in September. The score was twenty-one thirteen, but I remember watching it. It was quite it, Ember were in it for large parts of the game, and that was earlier in the season. Um, and they've maybe got a bit more coherence now, John. Yeah, I mean, they've certainly been looking um, Cockrell's game plans coming through quite well now. Um, I I am concerned. Um, I think as as you rightly point out, Leinster are very well managed, um, and they've got they've got some absolutely stunning young young talents on that side now. Um, Edinburgh might it's going to be makeshift, but it always is this time of year. So let's see. I, I think if they can compete, um, compete well with Leinster, um, come away with. Not too bad a defeat. I think that's a that's a decent result for them. And that probably sounds really negative, but it's it's just that time of year, isn't it? I mean, you're almost looking at probably uncontested scrums from the offset, or Richard Cockrell registering himself to play. Um, he's not he's not far off playing hooker, is he? At this no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Glasgow then, John. Uh, their way to Dragons, uh, and that's on BBC Wales. Um, that should be a formality, shouldn't it? <laughs> Away Absolutely. games in Wales, are yeah, easy. forty forty pointer definitely. Well, yeah. you beat uh, well Glasgow beat Ospreys uh, six forty seven away, and that was during the autumn internationals with with that young side. 
Yeah, I think as we touched on last time I was on the the pod, uh, the Ospreys are absolutely mince these days. So um, <laughs> yeah, the Dragons are are a little bit less mince. No, I mean I think I think Glasgow are in a much stronger place um, than they have been in previous seasons um, within these international windows. Um, so I think in terms of the side, we'll be able to put out. And again, it is all dependent on what comes back um, from from the camp. Um, I think we'll be able to put out a decent side and I would be very surprised to see us slip up down there again. Um, I think we'll continue to, to, to crack on. Now that I've said that, of course, um, the, you know, that's that's the, the fatal curse, isn't it? Otherwise, <laughs> we're going to take a, take a scudding. Uh, news today that Leonardo Sato is out for the rest of the season and a suggestion that's probably him at Glasgow. Uh, Rory, is that going to be a miss for Glasgow, do you think? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, I mean, he's he's looked really good, but he hasn't played enough. Um, but the few times he's he's played, you know, he's looked proper, properly, you know, properly powerful, busting through tackles and and sort of um, DTH DTH two, I guess. But uh, yeah, he'll. Um, I'm sure they'll. I'm sure they'll have someone in mind to replace him as long as it's not, you know, as long as it's another Sarto or DTH and not another Nayovoro. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean Glasgow's Glasgow should be all right. I mean, Greg, I can't see being involved with Scotland, so I'd assume they'll get him back. They've probably got Thompson or Hastings to cover ten. Uh, they've got Horn, who's in the you know he's banging form anyway at nine. Um, possibly Jackson, Pergos. maybe Jackson as Jackson, well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many because they're at home. They might not take. I mean, they, they, Scotland probably take quite a big collection of. 24th men just on the off chance of in injuries to to sort of anybody I mean I saw Cochrane helping with the warm up um, before the before the game on Saturday so they, they may well take Jackson as a kind of utility in case of injury to late injuries but um, yeah because this game's at home they, they might release a few more of them to the to the clubs Okay, um, we've done that. So why don't we move on and we'll uh, we'll do this next. Uh, yeah, it's uh, our Where's Dougie Lonely section of the uh, podcast. Uh, news, rumours and miscellaneous. Uh, and surprisingly, um, Rugby Players as Four Songs continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. Um, I don't think this would last that long. I'm pleased it has. Um, Squid Inc. 74 got in touch on Twitter and suggested live at the witch trials for the entire Scottish rugby press. Um, Pitts and, and our fandom. Yes. Um, Pittsfield direct for the whole Scotland team on Saturday. Uh, we'll get around to talking about that game uh, later if we've got time. Uh, Mac2 on the blog uh, comments. He suggested Gavin Henson as Curious Orange. Um <laughs> You could probably go with Reese Webb or Mike Phillips with that as well. Um, any more from you, uh, Roy? You said you had a few. Um, yeah, I can't remember. I didn't. I can't remember which ones Brody had, had done, but um, obviously, I think uh, the man whose head expanded and Joker hysterical face could could possibly refer to a certain certain fly half. Um, <laughs> feeling uh, feeling numb would just be everybody, and yep. uh, what you need. Um, I'm not sure who that is, but it's possibly Josh Strice. Or maybe Dave, <laughs> maybe Dave Dent. Maybe Dent, yeah. What you need, but don't know that you need. Um, John, you you have no idea who the four are. I've never listened to four, but, you, but you've had a go. Neither have I, I should have. 
Yeah, no, I uh, I download. It turns out the the, the Tinder web continues to be a, a bastion of information, and you can download four and a half A4 pages of the complete list of fall songs. <laughs> so I, I've sat this afternoon and work with a green highlighter, um, going through these to see if you I can, can some applicable you, ones. You can also download four and a half pages of former members of the fall as well. <laughs> yes, the wiki page is quite uh, quite revealing. So. Yeah, um, but yeah, so I. From the top, I, I mean, again, apologise to any uh, Fall fans here. If uh, if these are not songs, I do apologise. But we had uh, we wish you a protein Christmas, which I thought could refer to uh, Mr. James Haskell of uh, possibly Glasgow Warriors, uh, soon to be Glasgow Warriors fame. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, we've got f- four and a half inch, which could uh, refer to Ali Price based on his uh, his song from the the stand. Um, what else have we got? British people in hot weather. I thought um, I, I, that jumped out at me, and I just thought of Ross Ford back in Singapore. In, in <laughs> just in a, in a wheelie bin full of ice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dying a death after two minutes in the park. So um, yeah, um, the final one. There's a few here. We've got Ed's babe, which I think refers to Dylan Hartley, because it's the only explanation as to why he continues. To <laughs> Uh, and I think the final one probably leads on quite nicely. We'll go with Insult Song, which could probably refer to the player ratings from the weekend. Yeah, I, I had uh, Why Are People Grudgeful as the comment section on the blog. Um, <laughs> and uh, High Tension Line for the Wales Defence. Um, the next next bit, um, another uh, feature we're hoping to try and make a little bit regularly uh, is uh, Dear Jim Telfer. Um, for those of you that may not have listened last week, um, Ian McGeekin is apparently now some sort of rugby agony uncle for the Daily Telegraph. So we thought, uh, who would be who would be the best rugby uncle? And, and the obvious answer is is uh, is Jim Telfer. So we've we've had a couple of uh, suggestions. You can get in touch uh, uh, in the normal way if it's anything sensitive, because we it, we will respond to personal and rugby problems uh, email podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk um, and we got one uh, from uh, Graham Love on Twitter and he writes let's get the music going uh, hang on I'll get the music going properly in a minute here we go sad music okay here we go uh, Graham writes dear Jim how far in advance should a team travel down for an away game uh, now that was in response to the fact that Scotland did the captain's run at Murrayfield and didn't go down to Cardiff until Friday night. Um, right? Did you say they did the same thing for the Calcutta Cup? I, I believe that I believe they did. Yeah, they didn't have a uh, captain's run at, actually at Twickenham last year, but I, that was it was somebody else that had said that. So uh, yeah, you might want to take it with a pinch of salt. Well, we we put that to Jim, and uh, this was his reply. He said, "Graham." Yeah, our wee videos are absolutely smashing, by the way. The thing is, Graham, you want to get down there and get in the buggers' faces, maybe two or three weeks before. Get the boys in the Cardiff on a Friday night doing scrum practice in the main street. Uh, so that's um, that's Jim's response to uh, t- to Graham. Uh, we had another letter from FR uh, from Paris. It's strange. It said he was in Paris, but it came from a Glasgow address. Um, and he writes, Dear Jim, I'm finding it that quite often I find it hard to concentrate in work, which leads me to act out and joking in formal moments before meetings. 
I also struggle with my length sometimes and can't go as long as I would like and I wonder if the two are related. Um, well, that sounds like FR has got some real problems there, John and Jim and Mary. We'll see. Yeah, let's, let's see what Jim's got to say. Um, over to Jim. You don't fucking idiot. Get your fucking head screwed on straight. Stop fucking out. In my fucking late 70s, and let me tell you so, there's nothing wrong with my length, and I can go all fucking right. You know why? Because I'm Jim fucking Telfer. So, um, yeah. If you want Jim to take a look at your problems, then, then do get in touch with us. Um, uh, podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk um, or on, on Twitter if, if it's not a personal problem. Um, probably best not to get in touch about uh, personal problems on Twitter. Um, <laughs> you can if you want. Um, so... Uh, I'm just checking that the sad music stopped now. Uh, we have our next. Um, Ross, um, we heard today, as revealed by Brody a couple of weeks ago on the blog, who saw Ali Dickinson walking his dog. Uh, he's on the mend, apparently, and back in training. He's able to walk. Yeah, he's able to walk his dog. That was our exclusive. <laughs> but we got the ahead of Mark Palmer at the Times, um, who's who's revealed today that he's now back in training with Embra. And did he say he'd be back soon? Is that the, the word, Rory? I don't know. I think... They- he said that he said that there were sort of reports from some Edinburgh players that he was he was showing up well in training, but whether that means in the gym, whether that means on the you know if he's out on the taking full training yet, I don't know. It was it wasn't uh, it wasn't really clear, but it's good to hear that he's he's running about and still you know and getting back into into the mix at least. Yeah, could showing up well mean literally just showing up? I he's turning up at the ground. <laughs> it could be, I, <laughs> well. I don't think that would. I don't think that would impress too many of them, though. Hence, yeah. <laughs> there was a bit of a culture issue previously. <laughs> that would be really baby steps from Richard Cockrell's point of view. Like, right, lads, first things first, if you can just start turning up to training, that would be lovely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't that, really mind what time it is, just at some point it'll be just fine. Well done, guys. Uh, Dan Marfo is also back in training, apparently, and a uh, rumour this week uh, that Matt Scott is heading back to Embra, although uh, that seemed to re- originated with uh, big Jim Hamilton, who is his track record with rumours is not the best. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing the number of articles about Scott moving back to Edinburgh, and then there's just a tiny little bit of small print that says it came from the rugby podcast without, you know, without who, who on the rugby podcast. Um, but he he claimed it was a done deal. I listened to that episode, and uh, yeah, was, well, see, I think it would be. Uh, it would be um, it would be perfect for uh, perfect for Edinburgh Scott and Bennett in the midfield. Yeah. Um, because they're I mean Bur- Burley's good, but you know he's not great. Um, Scott's still got a couple of years and he could he could be great for Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a good shout. I think I, I suspect Jim Hamilton has a lot of friends who are agents who um tell him these things at a time when their players are uh, negotiating contracts. Could be, yeah. Um, any other rumours from, from you two? Anything you've heard on the grapevine? Uh, no. No. Um, we'll move on. We'll, we'll actually got a Doogie, a Doogie Donnelly update. Um, no one's seen him this week. Still haven't had anybody um, has seen him. Um, but over on Twitter, uh, we found out that Jackie Lockhart, who is the former curling world champion, calls him Sugarly Doogly. Um, <laughs> it's probably best not to go uh, into too much detail about why that is. Um you also revealed, uh, Rory, that you you knew Mark Palmer of the times. You go to school with him, did you say? Yeah, he was a couple of years, a couple of years below me in school. I think the uh, 
Inverness Royal Academy is punching above its weight for, for rugby correspondence. <laughs> so there's another one. Um, we also heard from Ben Coward on Twitter who said he'd bumped into Andy Powell mopping the floor in a nightclub in Cardiff. I'm not sure whether this is true or not. Um, and asked him if his golf cart was parked outside. Um, ben added that he's a lot bigger than he in real life. Um, so yeah, if you've seen anybody out and about get in touch, uh, if you've seen Doogie Donnelly, please, please get in touch. Um, if you are Doogie Donnelly, uh, also get in touch. Uh, who knows? Um, any other news or bits and bobs from either of you, or is that us done? I think that's, uh, yeah. We're done for uh, that bit. Fresh, fresh, fresh out of news. Fresh out of news. Okay, let's move on to this. Fantasy League, Fantasy Yeah, it's time to have a wee chat about our fantasy league. Um, we will get on to the Wales Scotland match in a moment um, if we've got time. Uh, but let's look at the Super Bowl fantasy league. Um, now, Andy Kerr got in touch via Twitter. I think he got in touch with you and me, Rory, and he said, I, I think anyone sitting near the top of the Super Brew, i.e., those who did not buy into the Scotland hype, should be treated with suspicion. What do you two think? John, do you think we should be auditing everyone's team? No, absolutely. I think. I, I mean, I'm surprised actually that this hasn't hasn't come up already. Um, I thought there was there was kind of strict rules as to to you know make sure that we had um, some some sort of control over people's teams. Um, so yeah, and I mean that's that's the only thing that can explain my position in the table at the moment. So yeah, you're 59th. Um, Rudy, you're 49th. You're doing quite well compared top, to top 50. I'm happy with top, top 50. 50 is it? Uh, I am 94th, which I was quite. I thought it was all right because it was out of 150. But then when I looked, Something. when I looked, there's only actually 98 people in the league who've registered <laughs> a team. All right. <laughs> so I am 94th out of the 98 people who've actually bothered to get round to registering a team. Um, to, to be fair, there were quite a lot of uh, there were quite a lot of late applications, and I did I authorised them all in a rush, but it was. About ten minutes before kickoff on Saturday, so okay. if, if you couldn't if you couldn't have submitted a team before being allowed into the to the pool, then that would have been a problem. But I think no, I'm pretty sure you can do you could have done the squad and the team thing before because you can be in different pools. So yeah, um, if that if that was the cause of anyone's heroic failure, I apologise. Um, I did go through um, the top ten um, to see if I could sniff out any traitors and saboteurs. Um, the top five are fine. They've got a full quarter of Scottish players, but um, at six there's Jimmy Bro, who only had uh, Stuart Hogg and Ali Price in the starting lineup. Um, in s- yeah, seventh. This is this is possibly the worst one. Uh, seventh is Bill Westwood, who chose Josh Navidi over Hamish Watson, and that is not acceptable whatsoever. That could be. That could be. Uh, could be. There's a uh, Blake Westwood who comments quite a lot. He, that could be him. He's, he's quite a new new guy. Okay, well maybe forgive him, but yeah, shape shape up, shape up or ship out. Um, <laughs> at eighth, uh, Hi Blake, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> at eighth, this is I'm actually no, this is the worst one. At eighth, at Nain N A I N E. Is he? Does he pop up in the comments? I've not. I don't recognise that. That's not a name I recognise. No. Okay, uh, he had no Scottish players whatsoever, and three Welsh players. How, how can you even do that? I don't 
what, what well, it's, the te- it's the team rather than the squad, isn't it? Yeah. The squad has to have. It, I mean, you, you have to pretty much pick like four from every every team now. Yeah. Which or no, you, there's a maximum four, is it? Yeah. I, I I think I think they've changed the rules this year because I've I've found myself having to pick a lot more Italians I'd never heard of than usual. Yeah, because I don't know. Apart from apart from the one that everyone picks, um, although I noticed actually as a tactic, which I employed, but has obviously failed miserably. I thought, well, I'll pack my front row with Italians because props don't score many points. But clearly, that's um, yeah. clearly that's not the way somebody's, to go. Somebody's found some scoring points. Yeah, I think. It, I mean, it, to be honest, it, com- it probably comes down to who your captain is. I noticed that the the Dubskar Jupiter, who was. Um, who was first? Who was top in the pool, and who scored what two hundred and thirty-two points? Which apparently the maximum possible last weekend was two hundred ninety-five. That's pretty good going. Um, but I don't know. You know, the maximum possible is probably not going to be possible week to week because you wouldn't have be able to do the transfers to to do that. But um, it looked like he had Anthony Watson as a captain. So yeah, basically you need to you need to have the guy that scores two tries every week as your captain. There's probably quite a lot of guys who have Hoggy as their captain, but. Um, that wouldn't have worked this week, obviously. No, and the the England number eight, whose name escapes me, um, Sam Simmons. Yeah, Sam Simmons did really well this week. Everyone seemed yeah. to have him in this. That team. I was sure I had him. I had him. Did you? Yeah. What happened? What happened elsewhere then, John? <laughs> uh, well, um, problems. That, um, I may have had. Um, the Irish fullback that wasn't Rob Carney, <laughs> <laughs> and I may also have had Camille Shaw, uh, who yeah didn't really play at all. Okay. So there was a couple of zeros, but you know there was some solid solid scores elsewhere. So it's all right. Okay. I've just looked at my team. I had Simmons in the squad, but I didn't pick him. So <laughs> he, he's who did you on. who did you pick? I had, I had Watson, Gordon, and Omani. But I'll be able to get rid of Gurdon because he's injured. Mm. So I will need to find another another French back rower, though. That's the thing. You, you only, I think it's probably I'm down to like French and Italians, really. Maybe I'll d- ditch some Scottish players. <laughs> well, we should have one. If you're in the top ten and you haven't picked at least two Scottish players, we will name and shame you on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. yeah, so. Um, do get in touch with us on Twitter, uh, email, however you want to, and let us know uh, the secrets of your success if you're doing well at this sort of thing, because um, clearly we we uh, we are not. Um, and uh, there's details on the uh, on the blog about how to get involved. I think you can ap- apply late, and we can just accept your invitation. We can accept you on there. Yeah, I mean, I'll keep I'll keep accepting invitations. Um, I, I'm not sure how it works if you missed the first couple of weeks, but obviously, if you're in the competition on the site, it knows what you scored. So yeah. So, uh, by all means, do that. Um, so, I think it's time we can now move on and do this. Yeah, it is time for Hands in the Rock uh, or any other business uh Part of the podcast, um, we are a bit short on time, so we'll see if we get a chance to talk about the Scotland Wales game. Um, but we will do this first. Um, Rory, your hands in the ruck this week. Um, my hands in the ruck is myself. Okay, I'm going oh. for. I'm going. <laughs> are you, are you, is this like a self-oriented? Piers Morgan tweeted that photograph of himself um, looking yes, down a trump's bum. 
it won't be seen by quite so many people. Okay. No, um, my my uh, my hands in the rock. My annoyance is um, is that I can still allow myself and my birthday weekend to be horribly derailed by a by an unexpected bad Scotland performance. Um, you would think that after ten years I would have learned my lesson. Yeah. No. No. Still, the, still the, the fir- first week before the Six Nations, the excitement, the hype, and the butterflies, and then, yeah, it usually is 15, 20 minutes we joke about it, but that, that was about how long it lasted. Uh, 12 and a half last week. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was... Um... I'm still... I'm still, you know, I'm still com- still convinced. Bonus point next week, no bother. But... Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, I was, yeah, I was decorating, um, painting um, my study while I was um, watching the game on iPlayer, and I, th- I, I thought, well, I'll watch it back in more detail uh, at night time and make some notes for the podcast. But I, I haven't bothered. <laughs> 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 Literally watching paint dry was more exciting. Anyway, uh, John, uh, your hands in the rock this week. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna go uh, in the the aftermath of the weekend. Um, the obviously our, our, our probably I don't know if it was the same guy, but our young Finn Russell um, has obviously taken a bit of bit of, um, bit of flack from a number of parties, uh, and the continued call that come usually comes around this time when uh, Finn has a bad game is let's get Hog to play ten. <laughs> and it just drives me up the bloody wall. Honest to goodness, and and, and it was it was it was actually um, exacerbated this time out by let's get Hog to play ten and let's get Blair Kinghorn in to play fullback. <laughs> as oh my god, guys, it's like someone's just it's another trigger. It's like it's like Hugh Jones all over again for me. Um, it makes me really sad that people would, would think to to suggest that. He did. He did play ten for the Lions. People do keep saying that. Ah. Right. <laughs> I mean, his try at ten for the Lions was the try of a fullback who had been put in the wrong position. He, he he sort of broke the line and ran, and it was like, oh, there's Hog playing fullback. Oh no, he's got ten in his back. Ah, what are you doing? Yeah, just uh, just a staggeringly bad idea, and 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 it's kind of linked as well to the people keep saying about Kinghorn being cover. For for Scotland and the guy's got so much potential, but people keep talking about him as a ten as cover, and it's like Cockrell's going out and buying every every ten that's ever picked up a rugby ball from the Southern Hemisphere. He clearly doesn't see him as a as a ten. Yeah, you've got to think that. Yeah, uh, I mean the the evidence is there. So uh, why would we possibly throw him in at international <laughs> level? Well, I mean, there's, uh, the weekend might suggest otherwise, but... Well, uh, yeah, the, co- the coach, obviously, you know, he'll, he'll hand a debut to somebody that's, that's you know, that hasn't played at that level before. You see how they go. Yeah. There's a there's a, a track record, at least. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, I don't know. If Hoggy's played 10 for Hoik, uh, Quinns, or wherever he played for when he was 15, then I, I don't see a problem with him starting against France. <laughs> If you get Mossy to give him some tips. Yeah, I mean, if you can do it on a wet evening, if you can't do it, if you can't do it on a wet evening in Hoik, then when can you do it? That's another ask Jim Tupper, isn't it? Yeah, we'll get, we'll get Jim back on. For get now. Jim back on later on. Yeah, there was, yeah, you're right. There was that ill-fated experiment of Chris Patterson at ten for a while, wasn't there? And he was another one that everyone said he's just too talented that 
I mean, it, it's a perennially Scottish problem that we've not actually had that much talent in the fly half shirt. Um, even you know, probably since since uh, since the almighty Tooney back in his day, and you know, he was he was pretty mercurial at the best of times, which is a word that gets used a lot. But yeah, um, you know, Finn is, Finn is learning at the feet of the master in terms of just doing extremely random things in the middle of games. Um, but yeah, we've always had that thing where we want, you know, on his day he was brilliant, and we think, right, we've got to have an incredibly talented ten. Let's get, who can we? And then in the sort of the last 10, 15 years when we haven't had that many incredibly talented players, they just we, we tend to find one and say, well, he could probably play ten, couldn't he? I mean, he couldn't be any worse than, than the other guy. <laughs> um, and yeah, and that that seems to be the it's the call that goes out, isn't it? Yeah. Caveat that at this point that we shouldn't that we're not allowed to mention Dan Parks in a joking fashion regarding uh, Scotland tens. No, well that, that neatly brings me on uh, to my hands in the ruck. Uh, speaking of Dan Parks, um, which is the uh, the Stalinist ideals that have been banded about post Saturday, uh, not just in the blog comments, but there's been a few on um, the uh, Scottish Rugby Forum on Facebook as well, particularly in response to your writings, John. Uh, ah, yes. <laughs> and it's it's this 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 certain school of thought that says let's get behind the team. And just ignore the fact that they completely failed in every single facet of the game. It's like, can't be negative. Get behind them. Um, I don't agree with tagging players um, when they're being criticised. Um, although somebody did do that to me this weekend. Um, and, but um, you know, it must be, and it must be hard because there's these strange algorithms on Twitter now where people you don't follow tweets pop up in your timeline just because somebody liked them. And so I can imagine it would come across players. Feeds sometimes critical tweets, yeah, even though they're not being tagged. But but I, you know I know how angry I get every time someone leaves us a one star review on um, on Apple Podcasts. But the way, this is as good as the sounds ever going to get. So stop moaning about it. Um, but um, <laughs> unless unless you want to sponsor us, get us all. Well, that's um, yeah. I was going to say if if anybody wants to bang us a hundred pounds for a proper mixing desk, then then the sound probably would improve. Um, but and you'd have to pay for Cammy's time to edit it all together because we're all in completely different places. Yes, oh, I'm sure it sounds like we're in the same room. Yeah, we we are not. Um, we, I was talking with. <laughs> Sorry if I shattered anyone's illusions there. Uh, I think the thing is that at the end of the day, if you mess up, you've got to be prepared to live with it, and the players do. And I'm sure they get lots of help mentally with dealing with these things, but. Um, you know, and and maybe I don't know whether or not I think if they, if if Wales or France had played as badly as we did on Saturday, the the press in Wales and France would have had an absolute field day. And I don't know whether or not overall, apart from Tom English maybe and John's play ratings, the Scottish press are a little are a little bit soft sometimes in these circumstances. And Probably at the end of the day, I think it's a positive that we're being this critical of the team because it means we've got higher expectations. Um, I, don't know, I mean, I saw a big uh, saw a big spread in the um, in the mail. Uh, Rob Robertson put up a put up a, a screen, uh, well, a, a, a photo from his phone of, of that. He's not really got to the uh, the level of readable screen screen captures, but um, <laughs> it, it, that you know they had a giant spread of five players who might get the axe and then big photos of them also. You know. Well, that's the true. Knife, yeah, the knives are coming out. Yeah, although there was only a couple. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get on. To, we will actually. I don't know what time is it. No, we've run out of time. Um, 
Aww. I don't know if we're going to have time. Well, we're not going to have time to talk about the game. Um, I'll tell you what we'll do. Um, if you are a glutton for punishment and you want to hang around, we will put our analysis of the game on after after the um, theme tune uh, because it'd be, it'd be horrible to have, uh, for people to feel like they had to suffer through it. Um, but we will do that for you. So, um, Bonus. for those of you who want to stop listening now because you've put it behind you and you just want to get behind the team for Saturday, go Scotland. Uh, then, then, then they always turn off now. Um, and for those of you brave enough and uh, stupid enough to stick with us while we dissect the Scotland-Wales game, it's, uh, we'll see you on the other side of this. We're back. Uh, podcast extra. Um, I am just going to queue up. Um, I decided what I would do is I'd make a little playlist of sad music to play behind this <laughs> while we talk about this game, uh, just to make as it. Long, as long as it's not too late this week. It's not this not too late this week. No, sort the levels out. It should be fine. It should be fine. Let me just check. It's fine. Hang on. Yeah, that's fine. You can't hear us over that. Good, lovely. Um, so it's head, heart, and ass time. Um, we'll look back at the game against Wales and then ahead to the game against France on Sat on Sunday. Um, now the whole idea of head, heart, and ass is in looking back at the game. Head is the um, fair-minded, reasoned analysis. Heart, the emotional response, and ass is the negative. So, shall we just crack straight on and do ass, chaps? I think it was pretty much all ass anyway. Wasn't yeah. It? Uh, what was the biggest ass for you, Rory? I think probably just the. The, sh- the shock of the shock of it being kind of unexpected, uh, like I said in the earlier in hands in the rocket, it just we weren't um, we weren't expecting that that to happen. So it was a little bit more shocking. I think it would just you know they just look so sort of so directionless. It's it's funny because I mean it's almost it's directionless direction because they knew they sort of looked like they were doing something. There was plenty of industry. It's not like they weren't trying. It's just that they weren't really doing anything very well, and the number of sort of individual errors and stuff was shocking. I mean, Wales played probably as good a game as they've played in about five years, um, but uh, yeah, it just I don't know. It was yeah, it was it was pretty pretty grim, and it was probably one of the, probably one of the biggest arses was when they came out after half time. And you thought, okay, it's only 14-0. This Scotland team have got tries in them. If Tooney's turned it around and somehow, you know, he's clicked his fingers and, and uh, you know, the Scotland we were expecting are back, then actually 14-0, that's, that's pretty doable. And then they just conceded two quick two quick penalties for exactly the same thing. Um, and you were just thought, no, that's that's it. They're not they're not coming back from that because they just didn't didn't look kind of capable of it. Um, and I, I mean, I don't like to single out Barkley because I think he's been an excellent captain. But 
you know those two penalties he he was pinged for pinged for one and then he did it did it exactly the same again I mean maybe it wasn't until the second one he got the talking to from the ref um, as to what he was doing it looked like he was placing his hands kind of on the ground beyond the tackle um, and then and then going for the ball and the ref was saying you know just get down there and get straight up the ball I mean I guess he was doing that to sort of balance himself or something so he couldn't be cleared out as easily but yeah it was just uh, at that point you just thought no they how, how do they get back? How do they get back into this? They're not going to. Yeah, I think that was my ass. Was just the 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 mental side of it. I think it was worrying that Toulouse I think came out uh, this week and has said that a fourteen nil down the heads went, and you just think I don't I don't get how a sort of supposedly professional international te- you know a team at international level can get to fourteen nil down and completely lose it. And maybe I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know if it comes down to the mental preparation. Like we we were joking earlier with uh, Graham's letter to Jim Telfer about the, the this this idea that you you know you're going down to play this the Principality Stadium, which is the, you know the one of the biggest stadiums um, in the country. You got the roof closed. You're gonna have all that noise, and and yet and and, and he's he's prepared players all week doing this sort of high stress training where they're supposed to be able to think on their feet and deal with any situation in front of them but then wraps them in cotton wool and keeps them at Murrayfield until the very last minute and then just pretty much throws them in front of 75,000 people all making that noise and says get on with it I don't think you can prepare for that in training as much as you can do you need to go and be amongst the thick of it and they probably should have gone down two days earlier and I would imagine being in a strange um, I don't know a strange hotel using different facilities must have some give some sort of help in preparing you mentally for the fact that you you are going to go and play away from home yeah I don't mean I I, I totally agree it just doesn't seem like that I'm sure there's a, a reason for that preparation and like you say it probably is kind of comfort familiarity but actually that's exactly what playing away from home is not about I did see, I can't remember, I was on some, I think it was the Planet Rugby Forum having a look earlier, and I did see some, uh, I'm going to guess he was an Australian wag, suggesting that that uh, the uh, um, the one thing that Scotland find out about uh, about playing away from home is that you can't you can't rig the uh, opposition's training grounds, which is presumably a dig at the, uh, the rubbish conditions of Perth Mill that Australia had. And, you know, I could have pointed out to him that actually yeah, that... Uh, that didn't happen to Scotland because they trained at home. But yeah, <laughs> uh, John, you're us. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, totally agree with you guys uh, in terms of the men- the mental preparation. And I think it would be quite interesting to actually find out or do a bit of digging into what other teams, particularly in the Six Nations, because it is it's bloody hard to win away from home anywhere other than Rome. But um, for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, the stats don't lie, unfortunately. But um, no, for me, I think. And uh, funny, I've actually said the term "the stats don't lie," and I'm just going to say this. But um, <laughs> yeah, the line out um, was an absolute joke. It was it was incredibly bad. Um, and I know the, the official stats or the ESPN stats or whatever said we'd only lost one line out, but that that doesn't tell the tale. Um, it was disrupted ball every single time. Um, there was plenty of squint uh, ball as well. Um, I don't know what went wrong. It was a strength in the autumn. And yes, yeah, I mean the the speed that like McAnally and Toulouse and Gray were getting the they were 
they were lining up, boom, they were throwing it. It was yep. a quick, clean ball, and it was away. The line-out was, I think, it was maybe one or two across the three games that wasn't, you know, that was certainly the impression you got. It was almost like the line-out was, it seemed flawless. And then to suddenly disintegrated. as, yeah, um, whether whether they just studied the video really well and figured it out, or whether, you know, I mean, Alan Wynne-Jones is no mug. He, um, he knows what he's doing in a set piece, and they just, yeah, they, they, they crumbled under the pressure, and that almost, I think, that took away took away one of the ways for Scotland to get get the ball ball away quickly. And I guess yeah. the you know throwing throwing passes to the to the ground probably didn't help too much. No, and there was no Total. speed. There was no speed at all either. I mean, you think think about that that game against Australia where they were just like you said, really walking up and throwing, you know, almost within a split second of the lineup forming. That just wasn't there at all. Yeah. Um, which is which is odd whether they've decided that they needed something a bit more measured, but it would seem you know that is actually one of the things that that worked. I mean, yeah, okay, your defence might figure you out, but you, there should be nothing stopping you from taking a quick line out, even sort of seventy thousand screaming Welsh people. I was shocked when it was when it was clear it wasn't working. Um, there was a couple opportunities where we're sort of taking the ball, um, and there was the opportunity to go quickly, and. In the autumn, like, we've, that, that's a no-brainer. The, the ball gets passed and we go. And it just seemed like the guys, they, they seemed, they froze. And the, the idea of playing this quick brand of rugby, they just totally lost confidence um, in that it's so quickly. It was it was really disheartening to watch. Um, what should we do next? Let's Shall we do Hart? Let's do Hart next. We'll go backwards. Um, John... <laughs> Your, your sort of emotional take from that game. Uh, yeah, there's. Uh, I think there's there's um, some written words that support my emotional take from it. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was I was I was just extremely sad. I was I was saddened watching it because, um, it, it, yeah, again, it's the you go into the tournament with the the hope, the expectation, the this this is possibly the first time in years we've actually went in and we've, I, I genuinely genuinely thought we had a decent run uh, and a decent chance at doing well in this tournament and if we play anywhere near as badly as we did uh, this this weekend we will be lucky to walk away without the wooden spoon or any uh, yeah well yeah yeah absolutely yeah that's what, that's what I mean. If we play as badly as last weekend in any of the other games, we are going to we're going to finish bottom. Um, so, yeah, just really, really disappointed. Uh, Rory, your sort of emotional heart take point away take away from the game. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was apart from reading your birthday. Yeah, apart from, well, my birthday was the day before, so oh, I, I had a cold, a cold ruined my birthday, but I thought the, the Six Nations was going to cheer, cheer it up, but uh, yeah, I think um, the just uh, they can't possibly play as bad as that again, kind of, that's the <laughs> that's the kind of that's the, that's the fervent the fervent hope. Yeah. I think, I, I think for me, the, the Sort of frustrating thing emotionally was that they just there was no from I would probably say from a large portion of the team there was no sort of controlled aggression or passion at all um, apart from maybe the exception of definitely Hoggy 
who has responded to the loss by just going back to Hoik and posting photos of Hoik on Instagram because he's so depressed. <laughs> um, and Hamish Watson, who just, you know, never stopped the entire game. He was about the only one grabbing the game by the, trying to just sort of get some go forward, even when the game was well lost. He was the only one that kept going. And, it, you know, that's at 14 nil down, that's what you needed. You, but we, the, you know, the heads went down and there's nobody yeah. it's hard to see and I don't know if that comes from Barkley as a captain maybe he's too I don't know if he's too laid back um, in the way that he's communicating in the way that he G's guys up it seems to me that when Scotland aren't on the front foot heads go down and there's nobody sort of willing to step up and say that we're still in this let's go out and smash them back or even just stick the ball up the jump for a little bit and sap the momentum out of the game yeah because I mean there was that was a thing I'm trying to think who it was I mean it might have been when with more more performances and Laidlaw, but certainly last year there were there were games and you see it with Glasgow when Glasgow are having a good game, when if someone scores on them, they just say okay, we'll go up the other end and score. Yeah. And we've seen we've seen them do it. So the first you know you thought interception try okay that was a bit crap, but you, you know they'll come back against that they'll 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 bounce back and I think it was just not not seeing that as you say, just the. Usually there's a determination because the defence is often a little bit flaky. We ne- we, ne- we rarely see perfect defensive performances from Scotland, but that's kind of counterbalanced by the f- fact that you know they're good for two or three tries a game, at, you know at the least. Um, and I guess they're well, they're finding out that the Six Nations maybe is is a different beast. But even last year Six Nations, you know, they were scoring plenty of tries, um, and it's just where was the who is it that drives them to just to get up and to go back, to to go back up the other end and, and score? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe Barkley was a little bit. It was probably quite strange for Barkley having to be extremely competitive against ten guys who he probably considers amongst his best friends. You know, yeah, who are almost part of his family, and now he's having to try and kind of he's having you know he's trying to break their hearts, effectively. Um, a lot of them, you know, getting you know getting debuts or early, you know, low numbers of caps, and and this is them on their home home turf, and it must have been quite strange for him. Yeah. Um, and whether that maybe affected his performance, I have no idea. I'm sure he wouldn't probably admit to it, but um, he did certainly seem a little out of sorts. I mean, I thought he started actually. He started very well. He was flying about, throwing himself into things in the first few minutes, but then yeah, after that sort of up the between sort of six and twelve minutes. They all looked a bit. Um, they were, I mean, they were even starting to look a little tired, and yeah, they just looked look shell shocked. And I don't think, in, in honesty, they ever really recovered from that that opening spell. Kind of came across as they they weren't able to blow them off the park in the first six minutes. Yeah. Despite all the possession yeah. they had, and it was like, like we haven't won the game in six minutes, so the heads went down. And then yeah. the interception. I was. I was just. I've never seen the light of it. It was really, really strange. Well, yeah, the and first. Yeah, the first Wales try. Well, the first Wales try comes from because I was watching the. I did watch the highlights briefly earlier on, and the first Wales try comes from that Johnny Gray break. You know, he breaks, mm. gets close to the try line, and then, you know, five minutes or whatever it was later, then there's an intercept. And you know, I I don't get why the thinking isn't then. Oh look, well we were up there earlier. It was one mistake. Let's, Let's get on with it. Yeah. 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 Strange. Um, I think with Barclay as well, it was really interesting. I think, you know, communication-wise, he didn't 
he didn't seem to be so you know thinking quite quite a lot about the, the the couple of penalties in the second half, and it seemed his communication style at the weekend was just to stare at the referee with a sort of almost Greg Laidlaw esque like what are you talking about ref? Rather, yeah. I didn't see much communication from him, which was about um, uh, he's he's had days in the office let's be honest i i actually thought we had the referee up until about 50 minutes i thought the referee was probably 50 50 on the calls and then after about 50 yeah. minutes you could just see after that, that he just was going to penalize for scotland for absolutely everything on the deck yeah. i mean yeah there's a couple it wasn't the same um it wasn't the same same referee as the uh the calcutta cup was it because there are there's a couple there's a couple of the french, yeah. french referees certainly is one of same guys yeah. the Australia Alton. Uh, yeah. Test. So I mean, yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe he was expecting a bit more change or didn't get it. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't. He's not going to come out and slag off the referee. I mean, I think probably one, at least one bonus from that game is that nobody was talking about the referee afterwards. Um, <laughs> no. It, 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 to some, in some respects, maybe it's maybe it's a pleasure that we're not whinging about the referee after that game, but. Um, I'm sure some, somebody will find something to whinge about at the referee in that game if it comes down to bonus points or something at the top of the table come the tournament in because there were a few uh, there was a few Welsh tries that I think were uh, a little bit debatable and um, England or Ireland might have something to something to say about those. Yeah, um, let's do let's get our our heads back on. Let's do a reasoned reasoned look back then. What from a head point of view? In your sort of reasoned analysis of this, John, what what was it that went wrong, or what what what's your takeaway from the game? So I think I think we have to be clear. Wales were, I think Wales were really good. Wales played. Um, it turns out Gatlin's not as uh, big a, a mug as we all thought. Eh? Um, <laughs> who'd, have, who'd have thought international coach uh, knows what he's doing? Um, no, I thought Wales were very good, and they defended exceptionally well. Our, our strike runners had no time on the ball and I think you'll find with France at the weekend the first thing they'll be doing is sending big defenders up Finn Russell's channel to try mm. and rattle them um, because if you shut off the space and shut off the time which you know rush defence perfect um, you you can you can get to Scotland and you can stop them playing and there didn't seem to be a plan B which um, yeah that, that's been mentioned in the past I think we have to also note though Scotland and this is something I, I was criticised for obviously with the player ratings um, the suggestion that these players have become bad players overnight that's absolutely not what we're saying um, they didn't turn up on the day and so be it right we, we do move on and the, these are still exceptionally gifted players who have the potential to compete against any side in the world and they, they will do so and I fully expect a, a backlash at the weekend from them uh, I, I, yeah I'm absolutely certain we'll, we'll see a, a vastly improved Scotland performance yeah I mean I, I think for me my head was that I, I it's the the, the Tuni Tombola and um, Andy Nicker was talking before the game about the difference between sort of the club game and international level is at club level you know the Aviva Premiership the Pro 14 you get a split second to make your decision whereas at international level you get no time at all and I just I, I, I feel sorry for Chris Harris because in the 20 minutes he had against Samoa he um, made a mistake and Samoa scored that try and I just think I mean he's 27 I'm just not sure that he's got the speed of thought 
uh, or the ability to play the game at this level. And I don't, I, that might be harsh, but I'm not really sure. He might be able to do it in training. Townsend said he, he reads the game very well defensively. I'm sure he does, but I think whether you can then transfer that and do it a bit like, was it Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where they said, can you do it amidst distraction? You know, can you do it when, when there's explosions going off around you, um, when Maid Marian's blowing blowing softly on your cheek? Or, or Scott Johnson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, can you can you do it whilst, you know, you've got 75,000 Wales fans cheering? And that's, that's the question. And I'm not sure that Chris Harris can do it. And I think... You know, props mature late. I think maybe at national centres. I think if you've got to 27 and you're not an internationalist, then you have to question why. Um, Coyle Dupree's, I thought he was getting to grips with international rugby by the end of the autumn, but there was just nothing there at all. He made two tackles all game. Um, missed one. And missed one, did he as well? Um, <laughs> and Ryan Wilson, who replaced him, made seven, you know, and played less time. Um, made six metres all game, for, which for number eight is just abysmal. And even Byron McGuigan, I don't know, I, you know, I, I, again, I watched the highlights of the Australia game back and I'm not, I, I just wonder whether or not when, when we're on the, when, when the team's on the front foot and when people around him are performing well, when everybody, you know, the other 14 are doing well, he, he's the kind of player that'll get on the, on, on the end of things, but I'm not, think you know um Seymour and Hogg were, were trying to make things happen but every time McGuigan got the ball he just was isolated and he seemed to get turned over he slowed down into contact as well there was a couple of instances where he's carrying the ball up and he's actually it's not even like he's looking for a gap he actually like nearly stopped and it looked yeah. like he was scared and there was one Alan and Jones absolutely flattened him you're like I wonder if he's slowing down for that, mate. <laughs> speed, up, <laughs> speed up into it, get it over with quicker. That's uh, no, I was I was really disappointed in McGuigan. Yeah, I thought he was really poor. And I can't remember. Was it Kevin uh, top of the moon? Kevin Miller was he writing on our blog? How many players did he say Tony's selected so far for Scotland? Is it something ridiculous? Like it's not. What I, I, was it fifty or something? I feel like. I it's, more. Fine, I'll have a look. I'll have a look. I'm sure. Yeah. I think it might be something daft like. 50 or 70 even it's just and I'm not sure I think it might you know that might work at Glasgow I'm not sure you can do the Tooney Tumble at international level especially in a game against Wales I think it's fine in the summer maybe even in sort of the Fiji and Samoa type tests in the autumn but I think when you I, I, I think you need to come down to sort of a settled side and have players that can come in slot in but I don't I don't think you can sort of chance the likes of Chris Harris against Wales in the opening game of the Six Nations away from home. Yeah, so that's that's why Tony gets paid the big bucks, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, it's his his uh, reputation and his head that goes with that. And uh, you know, frankly, if he, if he makes the call with Harris, and we all, I, I, I know certainly, I was looking at the team and went, oh right, all right, okay. So Dunbar's out. Jones is going to twelve, right? Harris. Yeah. Mm, all right, and. If it comes off and he has he has game his life defensive colossus and we win that game, fine. Tony Tony's judgment he's a genius. He's, he's a genius. If if it goes like it did on Saturday, we all start going. Mm, and Tony, we trust. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's uh, I find that find the stat it was uh, total number of players he's by Tony to fifty in his seventh game, including nine debuts. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting actually that he picked Harris at thirteen because usually 
certainly, I mean, under Cotter at, at least, um, but the Scotland teams of the recent past, it's pretty much all, it's been Dunbar, it was Dunbar and Jones. Yep. And Dunbar is the defensive, uh, the defensive linchpin, masterminding the defence from 12. And he also carries very, you know, he gets very little ball. So it was an odd sort of choice for me to put, I mean, I thought I knew Jones could play at 12 because he's he has played at 12, um, but he played, you know, he's playing more of a sort of second 5-8 kind of 12 rather than uh, rather than marshalling the defence. And then a lot of the talk was about Harris's defence from 13, which just seemed like an odd, um, it didn't seem to suit, because the third in the the way that Scotland certainly play when there's Russell, you know, we've we've talked about it before that Dunbar doesn't get enough ball at twelve to, to sort of crash ball because quite often Russell's looping and the ball's either going straight out to Hogg mm. or to Seymour and you know occasionally to to number thirteen and obviously we saw the odd occasions that the ball got tossed at thirteen they were you know hospital passes and um, Harris probably won't have won't have thanked them um, so yeah this, the service didn't it didn't do him any didn't do him any favours, um, but it well, it did seem like an odd way around to select him. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it was because he couldn't get either Dunbar or Taylor fit in time, and um, that was the way the way that he had to, you know, he didn't fancy maybe playing Harris at 12, maybe he doesn't play much at 12 if he's more of a 13-slash-winger. Um, that was kind of the way it had to go, but then you think, well, you could maybe stick another centre on the bench and put Horn in at 12 and Horn, you know, Horn and Jones have played together. It'd be a bit, bit lightweight, but the Welsh, you know, the Welsh, that Welsh backline are, are not massive. Whereas, yeah, there's a few people talking about maybe this week. Um, you know, it could be Horn, Horn and Jones, and that might be a little bit lightweight against the, you know, the French monsters. But I guess it'll depend on, um, on Dun, Dunbar's fitness. I, think I mean, I feel, I feel for. He's back, isn't he? I think the the word, uh, Taylor's definitely gone back to Saracens, but I think yeah, the suspicion the, the suspicion is that he he's going to be there or thereabouts. Um, I mean, I I feel for I feel for Harris because he's not had few, many many chances, and everybody's writing him off now. But the problem is that Scotland can't afford a bad game, so it's almost like you know back in the old days. If Deluca had a bad game, he would get the next game as a chance to kind of redeem himself. Yeah, because there wasn't really that many, and you know, people have their opinions on on Nick, whatever. Um, I, but I always, you know, I always rated him as a certainly for Edinburgh. He was he was a great player, and he, maybe he never fulfilled his potential or whatever. But um, in an international shirt, you know, he would he would do the throw the silly passes or make the mistakes. Um, but sorry, I. Uh, I digress, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, we're now in a situation in this tournament where we had high hopes that we can't afford that to happen. We've got too much depth in the centres, even with Taylor injured. Um, you know, there's still Dunbar, there's still Bennett, still potentially Grigg, who we all kind of who are all familiar with the other players around them who could slot in there. So it's almost it's harsh on Harris, but he. Townsend can't really afford to give him a chance to redeem himself. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair. Shout. What you you haven't given us your sort of, is that your reason sort of assessment of the game, or you, that, Rory, or you got another any other sort of? 
Well, no, my my recent assessment of the game, it's it's strange because we've been looking. I was, you know, I've been reading all, check through all the comments and stuff to make sure that everybody's on their best behaviour. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, there's, a, there's been a, there's been a lot of, a lot of reading to do, and uh, it's um, it's tricky because actually it seems easier to change the backs, but the issue was probably the forwards. Mm. Um, but actually, the forward pack, you can't. They they actually do need a chance to. To sort of to redeem themselves to turn to turn it around. I mean, you could swap Toulouse for Gilchrist, but it's not gonna. You wouldn't think it'll make that much of a difference mm. if Toulouse has decided. You know, if Toulouse comes back to the form that he showed before and steps up. Likewise, McAnally started well but went off the boil. If they if they can get the line out clicking, the scrum was okay. Um, maybe like to see a bit more carrying from the props, but to be honest, the French scrum is probably going to keep them keep them well enough occupied um, and yeah we, obviously the um, I think uh, they'll they'll make a change at number eight I'd imagine it'll probably be Ryan Wilson comes in but there's an argument to say that maybe Hamilton or Denton I'm not sure what Hamilton's fitness is like um, at the moment but uh, yeah the I mean the forwards basically all they need is they need a rocket to because the backs are only going to get the time, that extra time that you were talking about earlier. They're yeah. only going to get that if the forwards have them going forward. Um, looking at the the price um, interception, you know, Scotland had been plugging away for, for six minutes with the ball, pretty much, but they'd been largely going side to side. And, you know, the demands on the scrum half in the way that Scotland play, they have to get the quick ball and the scrum half has to be there to get that quick ball away because everything routes through nine and ten. So it's quite a sort of it's quite a focused focused way of playing. If your nine and ten have bad games, mm. either one of them, let alone both of them, then it's going to sort of have a big knock on effect through the rest of the, the team. And I mean, he looked a little bit, you know, he was tired getting to the rucks after the, after six minutes, and he threw that because it was a long period of faces, and they weren't able to break the defence and get moving forward. Um, other than that big grey charge, which we never saw any more of, and and he, you know, so he took the two extra steps and threw the interception, and that was, you know, was a different story from then. Yeah, and he was throwing. We, well, I think with that pass, he was throwing. It was a long looping pass to John Welsh at first receiver, which is just that. I know he, I yeah. know he did that great chip and chase, but that, that... Uh, the chip and chase was obviously on. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought, I thought Gordon Reid didn't. John Walsh actually had a decent game. I know a lot of people have said they didn't carry particularly well, but they they you know they shored up the scrum. They came in and did the job that they were brought in to do. Um, I think I would start them again and give them another chance. Yeah. I know that I think it's not what Tony's looking for on his props. They're not going to carry the same way as Ferguson and Nell are, but um, I don't think a game against France and the sort of ridiculous, you know, the, the sort of elephants the guy that, that France can play you know the, the guys that weigh a ton I think in either side of their front row are the kind you know it's not that's not the time to stick Jamie Batty or even Simon Bergen on you'll bring them on in the second half maybe but I think yeah. the one thing that went well on Saturday was the scrum yeah I think you can't you can't change the I don't think you change the front row purely for that that reason I think the scrum was to all our 
surprise the the one positive that came out of the weekend it, it went it was solid it was we had parity and every pundit in the land said if scotland gets parity in the scrum then it's game on um didn't quite work out like that <laughs> it was the one it was the one prediction i made on bbc radio wales which came true which is that we didn't struggle in the scrum <laughs> <laughs> I, I listened to that that was that was amazing but possibly with the benefit of hindsight possibly not not that sensible no <laughs> the, the the saving grace is that they they paid me 30 pounds and i had a lovely curry on saturday night and a bottle of oh, wine nice. <laughs> the buggers, they ne- never paid me anything for going on the radio oh it was it was i could i could hear uh who was the guy that they had on ian, ian evans ian evans i could hear like the just the incredible incredulity in his voice when you were you know you were predicting that it didn't matter if they picked their first team we would smash them anyway yeah uh, <laughs> i think you know yeah yeah i proved proved my pants live on air in front of malcolm christie and ian evans um yeah and they'll they'll never have you back now because they They'll be like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, I, was so, I, I sort of thought if I was really controversial, the chances are that they would have me back. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They'll get you back. They'll probably get a good phone in out of it or something afterwards. Yeah, I thought, well, that's it. I did it for clicks. That's how I did it. Um, I, I've, I, have you both had a chance to pick comment of the week? I've gone for... Um, this, yeah. I went for the smidge on John's... Um, Ratings who said some generous marks there. I'd have had Harris, Russell and Price on negative scores as they played like they wanted Wales to win at times. If no one else returns for injury or is called up, then Bennett for Harris and Laidloff for Price. A straight change is to make. Horn for Russell would give him the shock he needs. Um, I thought Horn for Russell's probably a bit drastic. There's an argument for me for Laidloff for Price just to steady the ship a little bit for a game. I don't know. Um, I don't think that's too drastic. I know. I, I think Laidlaw's capable of playing organised chaos. Yeah, I mean, we were we were actually doing pretty well against France last year in Paris until Laidlaw got injured, and Laidlaw and Strauss got injured quite quite close together, and they were both having really good games. So, you know, it, I think the, there's certainly a possibility. I guess it'll depend how the guys go in training this week. I mean, there's not going to be too many people who will be disappointed if Price plays. But if Price plays and plays badly, you know, you wouldn't think he's going to get a third star. No. Um, one thing is, in terms of the ratings, there's been quite a bit of debate in the comments section and elsewhere about our ratings. Uh, John's been getting absolute pelters um, <laughs> for giving out zeros. Um, something I can fully sympathise with after last year's Calcutta Cup. Um, I think there was a suggestion somewhere that if you give a zero for someone, then it's suggesting that they're not good enough to play rugby at all. Um <laughs> But I've never played rugby. Yeah, uh, we, we've had a chat about this um, amongst ourselves, and what we would like you to do is to um, let us know what you think of the current system um, or come up with your own one. We've had different suggestions so far from gold, silver, bronze, uh, a meat-based rating system with bacon as the top, as the best meat, uh, right through to, I think, Rory, you were suggesting some sort of computer-generated heat map. Um the other thing we could do, which I think uh, Al Kerr would like, because he is devastated at the thought of getting rid of these, is we could just do an explanation about what each score sort of means, um, possibly in an article. But if anybody's got any suggestions for how we should rate players in the future, then let us know in the comments section on the blog, Twitter, email, however you want to do it. We might give Al the final say on it, um, given that he sort of he didn't come up with player ratings as such, but he was the one that started it all off on the blog. Um 
so yeah, get in touch with you. If if you like what we're doing, we're happy to carry on. It's just, um, is there a better way we could do this, or do we just need to explain ourselves? Clearly, six is Ross Ford, and ten is uh, I think we've said Dan Carter against uh, the Lions. Yeah, the Lions. yeah. Uh, maybe we just need to explain what zero means. Um, but uh, <laughs> we've got plenty of examples. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, Roy, did you pick anything up from the blog? Uh, yes, I have. Well, I, I picked two because uh, we were being uh, picked up for not not doing enough comments. Yeah. comments of the week. So um, I've got one comment which suggested that the problem was with Scotland was actually the fact that the shorts are blue. And that was from uh, <laughs> Doc Finley. I, you know, I think he might be. He might be right. I mean, Bales don't play in red shorts; they play in white shorts, right? Yeah. The roof was shut. Um, yeah, yeah, it was dark. Roof, it was dark. <laughs> Um, I would also, uh, there was a comment from Andy, which I thought was probably summed up the kind of mood immediately after, which was people are entitled to show they're not happy at Scotland's, uh, Scotland's uh, Saturday's performance was a disgrace. Fans spend hard-earned money following and supporting the team and expect at the very least for it to be competitive. Nobody expects to win every game, but do expect full commitment with the basics, basic things done correctly. Um, things need to change dramatically for next week, otherwise I don't see any remaining games being won. Um and I suppose, yeah, I would, I would say that there's always a chance to to win, to win a game, even if you don't play particularly well. I mean, that's one thing that Scotland have been getting gradually better at over the year, the last couple of years. Excuse me, is um, is actually gr- grinding out the wins when they haven't played particularly well. Certainly, Glasgow have very have been great at that this season. Um, you know, they're they've only lost what one one game and haven't mm. actually really played well yet. Um. Apart from against uh, against Exeter in Europe, so yeah, the, you, we just want to. I think I think it'll be a different different thing against uh, against France at Murrayfield. Um, you know, for all the slatings that we get for being weak away from home in recent years, the home record has been very good, and we should expect that they're going to. They're going to know that, and they're going to want to uh, show a bit of pride in front of their home fans because they're going to know. You know, they're not daft. These players, they know mm. that the fans, they know that the fans are uh, are going to be extremely disappointed in them. And I mean, they've they've come out this week, and um, well, we've, they've started sort of facing the press. We'll probably hear in the next few days some interviews and things, but with what they're what they're saying, what they what did they call it? Honest honesty sessions. Or something. An honesty session. Well, I've already. I, just before we came on, I saw on Instagram that uh, Stuart Hogg was hiding under a staircase, letting off an air horn and scaring Ryan Wilson. So I think we can safely <laughs> safely say that things are back to normal in the Scotland camp. The, sh- the shoes, are, shoes are on the other foot, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, maybe, but you see Barkley's not himself. Cause he's, he's, not, he's not doing it. He's yeah. got the mantle on. That's it. Maybe Hoggy Hoggy will be the captain for the, for the next game. Well, maybe that might that might be a good thing. Maybe maybe the fact that Barkley's now focusing on uh, his his captaincy role rather than planning putting yeah. which wheelie bins Hygiene. are the best best place to hide. Yeah. Uh, John, did you pick any comments from the blog? Uh, yeah, I sure did. Um, I also had uh, on 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 the other forum. I had a, a lovely suggestion that uh, I ban myself from my own forum um, which was, was, was well received um, um, needless to say I'm not but hey uh, so yeah my favourite was uh, Falkirk um, who again on my player ratings piece who has uh, obviously read my bio and has said uh, I well I'll, I'll paraphrase here um, you should have stayed in them fancy toilets in Butte 
<laughs> your assessments on giving players zero is pure cack. Do you think players go out to play badly as they did? It's a bad day in Car- Cardiff. Look for positives, not negatives, or you'll never go forward. I'm as disturbed by the performance as anyone, but zero ratings for players are not helpful. And I absolutely love the first reply from Ginger McGee. Straight up, um, just about an hour later, he says, not the nicest way to say you do not agree. <laughs> just absolutely can, brilliant. Can I just check, John? Is, is Butte known for its toilets? Butte has um, some fairly spectacular Victorian toilets. Which ah. are one of the uh, one of the the, um, the tourist attractions of the island. Um, I assumed he wasn't talking about the uh, the old sheds up at the up at the meadows, which um, everyone was delighted when they burned down. Um, they, they were fairly <laughs> fairly spectacularly ranked. No, the Victorian toilets are uh, um, right next to the ferry terminal in Butte, and uh, they're very very pretty if you're on the island. Uh, I'm doing my bit for Butte tourist industry just now. If you're on the island and fancy a visit, pop along and uh, uh, see the sights of the lavies. Oh, nothing if not educational as well. Um... Anything else to add, either of you? Are we are we done? Do you think? Have we? Can you take any more? <laughs> um, I would just like to say good luck to the guys on uh, on Sunday against France. Let's uh, let's have something something pleasant for uh, for Brodie and Ian to to write about yep. next week. Uh, Brodie and Ian will be joining us on the uh, podcast. We try and get uh, guys who've been to cover the games for us on the podcast immediately after, just because they tend to have. Little snippets of um, things they've seen. Um, I think that's how we found out that Warren Gatlin was having a midlife crisis. Um, So we'll be uh, Brody and Ian with me next week. Um, That's it from us. Um, We haven't had time to cover the women's game or the under-20s. You can read uh, Kevin Miller's player ratings on the under-20s game over on the blog. Uh, We are always looking for people to cover the women's games. If it's something you'd be interested in, please get in touch. You can email uh, Rory at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk or contact us as Twitter, Facebook, however you want to do it Um, and yeah um, for the moment uh, that's it from us hopefully um, more positives to talk about next week, Uh, bye from me and bye from Rory and John bye, bye now we believe in Gregor as one by the way come on to Scotland come on everybody